going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio yes, with sir. your hosts, Ron and Chris. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. We have Talha Tariq. He is the chief security officer over at HashiCorp. Thank you for coming on to the show. We're uh, pleased to have you, and you know we are really gracious, especially on a Friday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Making your way over. Th uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. It's a very dark and gloomy day here in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. So everybody knows about HashiCorp at this point. But for those that don't know about HashiCorp and don't know about you yet, uh, could you give us a little bit of your background and what you're doing today? Absolutely. So my name is Talha. I'm the chief security officer at HashiCorp. Been in security industry for about 20 years now. Started off, done done wide variety of things. You know, I've done security engineering. I was at Microsoft for a while in their Azure security team. Also spent some time in Microsoft Research doing some platform security, cryptography, and virtualization security aspects. Moved into security consulting with PricewaterhouseCoopers and spent another five years doing a ton of breach response work, uh, cybercrime, breach response. I built some of the offensive red team operations from, from the West Coast. The, the timing was great because great in the sense it's sad and great at the same time. I was in PwC in during the four or five years of mega breaches, your mm. targets and things of the world. You know, and I reflect back on that time, I think I learned the most not just security, but also the human aspect of security of like, you know, working with customers, dealing with stressful situations, traveling all over, not just U.S., but also uh, plenty of 1,400 uh, customers all around the globe. Then I, you know, consulting required a lot of travel. So when, you know, had, you know, a couple of kids, it yep. was like very stressful to like travel last minute. And I decided I need to go back, you know, have a life. And <laughs> I joined two startups and now HashiCorp is my third startup. Oh, congrats. Congratulations. So what was the transition like from going to being a consultant and traveling all over the place to are you more stationary now and out here in the Bay or you still find yourself traveling quite a bit? I do travel, but my travel now is way less than it used to be in consulting. I think there are things that I miss, you know, working for different customers, different industries. You do get a sense and learn a lot about the security challenges you know, of all sorts of different companies, not just tech. I do I do not miss, you know, flying 100,000 miles and being in the air all the time. Mm. I think I can now spend the time learning, spending on hobbies, you know, family and kids. So definitely some trade-offs on both ends. Do you right. still feel like your experience doing all the traveling, looking at all those different environments – got you to where you are today? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I think I would have not done risk and compliance stuff or some of the other broader domains of security had I not been exposed to consulting and looked at how to actually build and run a mature security program. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's what I, because I was at Booz Allen, so mm -hmm. I have a, fim, uh, a similar kind of feel about, you know, being in the consulting realm. I was also at Mandiant for a bit. And I feel like all of that translated to, to where I'm at now. I, I think that, the more experience in different environments you can get, the better you're going to be off in, in the long run. Absolutely. So, yeah, if you could sort of talk a, a bit about what HashiCorp does and what HashiCorp's claim to fame is, because it, it's really big. We were at the DevOps Summit for SANS, and every yeah, other everyone. presentation brought up HashiCorp. Yeah, I think depends on who you ask. My view is I consider HashiCorp to be a security company. We make practitioner-focused DevOps tools that solve 
large workflow problems from you know infrastructure, software delivery, secrets management, networking. And the way to the way HashiCorp started was, you know, Mitchell and Arman, who are co-founders, very technical background, practitioner focused, automation obsessed. And, yes. you know, they had some vision and views of how certain software delivery aspects should be done. And they, you know, built a few open source tools and, you know, had a pretty interesting journey of how those uh, tools were adopted and marketed and targeted to the practitioner community. If you look at some of the industry trends, the two major trends that you see happening, you know, one move to the cloud, you know, mm-hmm. the Silicon Valley and tech industry and, you know, U.S. took the lead in some of that migration, but now rest of the world is catching up. So huge industry move, you know, migrations to the cloud. And then the other big trend you will see is open source adoption. And HashiCorp plays very squarely into, you know, both of these trends. We are a multi-cloud company by design. So we are vendor agnostic. The reality of all these global 2000 companies that we target as customers is their environments are very heterogeneous. You know, their customer records are in mainframe and their call center is in some SaaS product and their uh, new products and services are getting launched in Amazon, which are tied to dozens of other SaaS applications. So how do you consistently deploy and manage infrastructure? That's, you know, Terraform is one of our core products that mm-hmm. is pretty popular. Yep. Yep. You know, Vault, uh, secrets management, which is another big problem that everybody has. How do you manage secrets, data protection, keys, tokens, customer access? And if you look at some of our products, you know, the open source ones, they tend to automate some of these large workflow problems. So again, very focused on community. We are, you know, tens and millions of open source practitioners use our products. We collaborate very closely with them, you know, including our founders, all of our companies, like pretty technical, you know, collaborating on GitHub communities, running you know, what we call HashiCorp user groups all mm-hmm. over the world. So we engage directly to the practitioner. I think one of the re- big reasons why HashiCorp is so popular. Yeah. So when we're looking at the infrastructure piece and kind of migrating to the cloud, what is your philosophy and your thoughts on when the time is right for an organization? You might not have the resources and the teams to operationalize the kind of deployments or the maintenance. So what are your thoughts on when to get started and that type of aspect? I think that's very how about how word this? I think that's very um, requirements driven, and I think the way I think want to think about this problem is and security is exactly similar to like how different companies operate and how different things. You have to make decisions on what your core competency is as a company. Like, let's say I was McDonald's, you know, I, I sell burgers. Is running infrastructure my core bread and butter? Probably not. Right. So what do you design, what do you build, what do you buy, and, you know, how do you modernize your infrastructure? The reality is, I think every company is now some sort of a tech company. You have to be close to the consumer. You have to be able to, like, deliver on, you know, software and, you know, make decisions based on data and how your customers are responding to you, you know, in the day of in the day and age of like smartphones and variables and connectivity, you have to be close to the customer. So how do you deliver on innovation and change faster? So that drives a ton of, you know, digital innovation and move and, you know, spinning up these applications and infrastructure in a more automated way definitely forces you to move some of your workloads to like, you know, modern cloud. So I think that's just a trend that you will see 
you know, accelerate all over the world. Right. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. There's every organization I work with is definitely a tech company. And even the apparel that I wear, like I wear a lot of Nike clothing and mm -hmm. definitely a tech organization, too. <clears throat> so that's an interesting thought on uh, that shift. They also say that Domino's went from a pizza, you know, organization to being a tech company because right. of the apps that they're using and how they're trying to reach out to customers and things like that. Do you think that helps sort of the plight of HashiCorp that everybody's moving in that direction and and the more, I guess, I guess you could call it, you know, market share, but the more exposed you are to, to the world? Absolutely. I think the one of the core things that we do in the company is, you know, again, we, because we are close to the practitioner, we tend to get a sense from, one, we have a point of view on how certain things should be, but then we also get like a pretty diverse feedback from all over the world on some of the needs, not, and, you know, we are technology agnostic and vendor right. agnostic and cloud agnostic. So it's basically solving real problems for real customers. And our customers are like literally, you know, your airlines and your banks and right. teams from one to two people to large mega corporations of thousands of people. And, you know, surprisingly, some of the problems are pretty similar in, in, in terms of the actual workflow. You know, you have a day zero problem of how do you define infrastructure? You have a day one problem of how do you change that piece of infrastructure? And then you have a day end problem of how do you manage it at scale? And from workflow perspective, those problems tend to be like very similar. And that's kind of how we see uh, and adopt and, you know, design certain things. But absolutely, you know, we get, you know, real feedback as well as intelligence, as well as feedback from, you know, pretty much very diverse sort of industries and practitioners all over the globe. So I assume you do uh, not only the corporate security, but you also have a play in the applications as well, correct? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about our security program. Sure. And... You know, as, as I mentioned, you know, I consider HashiCorp to be a security company because our tools are squarely managing, configuring, deploying, changing your infrastructure. You know, we do secrets management, we do provisioning, we do networking, we do workload management. You know, we have tools that do policies as code and our tools get like privileged access in like managing, you know, your, your environment. So uh, product security is actually our, one of our largest teams and you know, the way different companies have different aspects of how product security right. is done. You can divide our world in like th three big buckets. One is our open source tools, which is just, you know, our popular open source tools on GitHub. Mm -hmm. Then we have commercial products built on top of open, what we call open core. And more recently, we are also, we have also launched and announced some products as services. So like Terraform is a great example. It's also available as a SaaS platform. Our product security team does a wide variety of things. So one of the biggest thing is how do we help our engineering teams design, build, ship secure software, running and managing the whole life cycle of not just our software, but in the open source realm, you also have this complex supply chain of all these other components and dependencies that you consume. So we spend a lot of time looking through, you know, security of not just our products, but also some of the dependencies and supply chain that build our products. So again, you know, looking into the whole life cycle of application software, you know, threat modeling, advising our teams. It's also a tooling function where our teams take the lead of designing some tools and libraries to help engineering make the right decisions. Proactively, you know, 
performing code assessments and bug hunting as well as interacting with customers on what kind of security features they would like in their products. So that's the biggest team that we have in the company, very you know technology product security focused. That's awesome. So it sounds like you guys are using your own tools to really accelerate the, yeah, the yeah. So I think that's another interesting thing. You know, we are also the consumer of our own products. So, mm-hmm. you know, as practitioner, we can then collectively send some feedback back to our product teams. With like, you know, this is some more interesting features or capability that we need in the team. But I think using our own products just help immensely, not just from product security and infrastructure, but also uh, risk and compliance. And, you know, historically, GRC as a function is something that a lot of people consider pretty boring, pretty manual, controlled, data-driven. But, you know, we have a point of view on how you can automate, you know, using our products, you know, some some really large, complex compliance initiatives. With with so much moving to the cloud, and we're just talking about a lot of organizations, you brought up Domino's, I brought up Nike. What is something, something that I've seen that's really changed the adoption of cloud is remote work mm-hmm. and the opportunity for teams to be geographically spread out. What has been the biggest observation by you? Has it been remote work? Has it been an enablement of maybe applications be more rapidly deployed? Yeah, I can talk about this topic all day. So to for, for listeners to set some context, HashiCorp is a completely remote company mm, from okay. day one. Wow. And we don't have these first class and second class citizens like a lot of companies where certain people have more leverage just because they're in the office and communicating. Uh, everybody's remote, including our founders, they're remote. And the company was formed remote day one. You know, we philosophically believe that, you know, if you're effective, if you're productive, you know, you're responsible, you should be able to work from wherever. Now, there are obviously some caveats here in the sense that, you know, there are legal and employment laws that you have to adhere to. So when we say we are completely remote, you know, we today are predominantly in few countries where, you know, we have some legal and HR structure to support, you know, compensation and benefits and, you know, some other things. But our engineering is 100% remote. You know, we live our lives in Slack and Zoom and GitHub. And even my own security team, you know, grew from zero to 14 people in five months just because you you could hire best talent remotely. So I have in my security team of 14 people today, they are in nine states and two countries. Uh, And the reason we could hire that, and they're all uh, really fantastic people with a really strong security background. Um, Some of them, you know, used to be in Bay Area, but for, you know, family reasons or their own personal interest, they moved out of U.S. And, you know, we could just hire that fantastic talent because we are a remote-first company. You know, again, we, we give autonomy to people to do their, you know, research and, uh, learning and contributions to not just us, but also the community. You know, we are an open source right. company. We are pretty transparent about what we do, helps people with their careers. And, you know, I think the remote culture and remote work has just helped us immensely as a company. Yeah, one thing that I, I get, I'm curious about, because I've seen this go the wrong way, is that you have companies that go remote and they don't have anything to set the culture for their company. They don't have a mission that they, they share with everybody. They don't have a team identity. What would you say to those, you know, companies that are just coming out and they're they're moving to remote work? Like how do you how do you spread that that corporate culture that you want your people to kind of adhere to? Yeah, I would say, I think one caveat I would put in, I mean, HashiCorp is a purely software company. One of my previous roles was with a robotics startup and it was very hardware driven. So, 
yes, remote work might not be very feasible there because you have, you know, lab and prototype hardware and sensor development. And there's expectation that, you know, you will collaborate with some of that, you know, lab work with the hardware engineering folks in a, you know, physical space. Having said that, I think here for culture wise, we put a lot of thought actually, you know, we have one of the best things I like in HashiCorp is we we over-document things in a very crisp, transparent manner. We follow the IETF RFC style documentation. So anytime there is a project initiative, we write RFCs, which are very well written, wow. collaborated and shared with like hundreds of people. And, you know, those RFCs derive, you know, our specs and product requirement documents and engineering requirement documents. And from that perspective, it's pretty good to like align people to like think through how to be, you know, do certain things. There's all obviously some caveats and trade-offs. Like one of the things you can't do remotely really well is, you know, body language and like, right. you know, hallway conversations and, mm-hmm. you know, people like set up their Zoom cameras and, you know, to be presentable. But it's also fun because you see people in like a very casual setting, you know, right. in their homes with their families and dogs hopping over, you know, laptops. <laughs> and it's actually very fun and personal. And you get like this human connection even virtually. We do spend a lot of time, you know, not just as engineering, but like as a culture team, making sure our employees have the right tooling, right. the right setup, you know, we compensate for, you know, a work from home, you know, their internet, you know, their their workspaces, you know, we ship them, you know, good monitors, we ship them best in breed hardware. We spent a lot of time discussing what's working well, what's not working well. You know, our, we have a culture team. We have employee feedback committee. We learn from other teams, including the large, you know, Googles and Stripes of the world, how they are doing certain things. And there's a constant feedback loop of, you know, just improving the culture overall. But I think the good thing about that is because the company was set up that day from day one. It's just constantly improving. Right. Wow. So what what is the biggest challenge of it? Is it the tools of making sure the everyone has the correct applications and tools or do you find other things like distance also or time zones playing a factor in the challenges? No, I don't think I think distance over Zoom is meaningless. It's <laughs> you know, uh, uh we could have done this over Zoom, but you know, because I love you guys, I come here. <laughs> it's it's not the distance, it's not the team. I think one of our challenges, which is actually a, just a really good challenge and fun to watch, is we are growing super fast. I mean we grew from hundred and eighty to seven hundred and fifty people in like two years. Ooh, so that's fast. So <laughs> you know, just like you know, the organizations go in various shifts. You know, a 50 to 100 people company is very different. A 100 to 500 company is very different. And a 500 to 1,000 company is very different. Right. And our, you know, HashiCorp is going through that phase shifts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from just a very practitioner, small team of engineers, you know, building open source software to company that is now building commercial software, growing super fast and with a very fast adoption, with the high huge demands from the industry and like building even more products and a lot of employees coming in. So making sure, you know, they are productive, they are set up correctly, the company is, you know, not in a chaos. And the good thing is, I mean, the machinery is working really well. One, one more interesting thing I'll put, put put in HashiCorp is, you know, a lot of companies, like Netflix, we actually have like four or five companies running within HashiCorp. You know, if you look from even branding perspective, like Vault used to be its own brand. Hash- mm-hmm. Terraform used to be its own brand. And at some point, like we brought everything under one umbrella. Mm-hmm. And 
the 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 target market and customers of some of our products are like actually very different and you know the product and engineering and the trio of marketing it's sometimes it seems to be we have like five or six different companies running right. within hashicorp and you know from security perspective you have to make sure you know we're serving all of those customers and all of those products and all of those engineering teams so i think just making sure we keep that innovative culture and openness and transparency and fun you know working environment as the company is growing super fast i think that to me is like the one of the biggest challenges we all three of us at some point in our lives have been consultants or you know you know advisors in some capacity one thing i've seen is that the the gap where you have really high performing security programs is widening between the folks that are in dire need of assistance. Do you see that there's going to be a, a widening of that gap, or are we going to start closing that gap in the future? I think, yeah, my personal sense, and, you know, there are people that might disagree with me. There are some studies that you see like, oh, there's a huge cybersecurity talent shortage, right. and, you know, the industry is not moving, and you keep hearing about these breaches. And, you know, outside security, it feels like, the, and, you know, the world is just, it just sucks. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's true. I think we are moving in the right direction. I think security has improved a lot. I do think the the gap is, I mean, depends. It, it, you know, there are industries and segments and teams where, yeah, security programs are not mature. And there are a wide variety of different things. You know, the teams are not set up right. The investments are not there. The companies are not committed. Right. And, you know, there are companies and teams and industries that understand their responsibility. And I think over the last, you know, decade or so, I do think the industry is moving in the right direction. I think all this move to the cloud, all these investments in security products, yep. all this investment in people and tooling and, you know, all this availability of knowledge with like open source tools and a lot of content on, you know, Coursera and YouTube of mm -hmm. people being able to learn and adopt. I think all of that will contribute in a positive way in the industry. Yep. I would agree with that, especially, you know, I think it depends on how you look at the gaps. Like, is it, are you looking, are you saying that there is a talent gap or you saying there is a skills gap? Because there's a lot of talent in cybersecurity and even that hasn't made their way in yet that are easily shapeable into cybersecurity experts and people that think about problems in a very unique way. So I think now with all the online content and the uh, a lot of universities sharing their content with uh, just open source, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely decreasing any type of gap, whether it's talent, knowledge, or skills. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. And the reason why I agree with both of you is I feel like as concepts like the secure by default are, are permeated throughout in different industries, we're going to see technology just more secure from the get-go. But one thing that does concern me is that when you have these these gold mines of data or you know payment you know information or m just money in general, I think you're going to have more opposition. I think you're going to have more adversaries trying to get that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'd say kind of a bit of both. I think that's a chicken way to, uh, to answer the question. <laughs> but I, I, I see a, a widening in the sense of the threat, but I see a narrowing in the sense of we're all going to learn as we go along. Absolutely. I think I do agree. I think, and I keep privacy and security in different buckets. 
And, you know, with all this digitization of the world and adoption of, you know, smartphones and applications and services and more and more people being online all across the globe and more and more companies, you know, connected through digital infrastructure, I think some of the problems around data and governance and privacy and those aspects are will also grow, which basically means you might hear more about, you know, security issues. But I do see that as, you know, one, a maturation curve. I mean, you 10 years ago, you didn't see a ton of privacy discussions happening. But now, you know, you yeah. ask average people, you know, they, they, they understand. And even, you know, the, the new generation, they're pretty cognizant about, you know, they understand what some of these implications are, even though they might not understand all the nuances, but those conversations are happening, you know, at the right levels with the right, you know, support from my perspective. So one thing that I try to do whenever we have a guest on is do a little background research. And I found your album on, was it Flickr, right? Oh yeah. my gosh. Amazing um, photography. Incredible. One of, so one of my like bucket items is to get a, a Peter Lick photograph, you know, either get it from New York or from Las Vegas and, and put it in my house in my in my man cave eventually when I have one. <laughs> but when I saw your work, it was so reminiscent of it. I was like, oh, my goodness, he might be just as good. <laughs> How long have you been doing that? How long have you been doing photography? So I think the I'll set some background. I love art and there is a career journey and hobby journey of how I ended up into photography. I like hiking. I love nature. I like traveling. And I just wanted to capture all these beautiful moments, you know, with my family, with my kids, as well as when I was exploring the world and nature. And some of the drivers for photography basically originated from that. But even before photography, you know, when I was in college, one of my just side hobbies was just, you know, building websites and designing, you know, content for people. So I also al always had like this creative side of me that, you know, just tinkered me into photography. Mm. I still consider that as a hobby. And, you know, in this day and age, I, I don't know if many people still use Flickr. And I, I actually worry that someday it might just die <laughs> in the world of Instagram and You're Facebook. Right. I Yeah, I think I, I enjoy the journey of taking photos, processing photos, building art. If you come to my home, you'll find like a big canvas print in like every wall. So I, I enjoy like producing art. Is it all you or is it different artists? No, it's it's me. I do, you know, I have a bunch of hobbies, photographers and videographer friends. And, you know, I think that just helps keep things, you know, easy and going. That's one of my many hobbies. Wow. So I am always curious, how do these like hiking, travel, nature, photography, how do they kind of increase your skills or even kind of thought process on things you deal with on your day-to-day, -day, like work or even family? I, should say that. I think uh, I'm lucky to marry someone who also shares the same interests around mm -hmm. travel and hiking. And, you know, we, we, we still laugh and we go reflect back. Like we, we took like, you know, our six-week-old firstborn in like in the middle of like woods and you know that's just you know <laughs> who we are as, as as a couple and a family it helps like detach from you know a lot of you know stress that you might get out of like work and other things going around in your life so we just see it as you know a collective hobby and like right. family bonding and and you know it actually helps in in various different ways you know it's a healthy activity and yeah we just you know enjoy doing this as a family yeah. What are some of your other hobbies? 
oh, some of my other hobbies. I love soccer. I love playing soccer. You know, go to random pickup games near my home. I do... I do hardware hacking for fun, you know, ever since I was a kid. I mean, that, that's a funny story of how I even ended up in security. It was like, I just like liked breaking things and disassembling things like ever since I was a kid of the, this uh, tinkering mentality of like curiosity of how things actually work. Right. And I spent two years with a robotics startup and, you know, learned a lot about like hardware and sensors and I'm part of a robotics club and, you know, we meet once a while and just make like small tinkering and holographic. I also enjoy teaching. So I volunteer, you know, in my daughter's school as well as try to teach, you know, security classes for like nonprofits and schools and things like cyberbullying and being safe online. That's just something I enjoy doing, you know, giving back to the community. Oh, absolutely. It's nice. huge. Yeah, I also see that you're giving a lot of uh, speaks, talks too. You just got done with uh, Heavy Bit, so that's mm-hmm. pretty impressive. Do you have anything else coming up when it comes to the speaking circuit or engagements? Yeah, I think I, I, I that's one of the things. I, I do enjoy giving back and also sharing my knowledge. You know, I reflecting back on my years, a lot of things I learned were from my peers and my mentors. And I think... I, I like to share what I've learned over time. So I'm not, I don't choose forums. I tend to stay away from, you know, very vendor heavy sales, mm-hmm. marketing, large flashy conferences. I tend to enjoy more practitioner focused and like smaller conferences. So like I'm a big supporter of OWASP, um, big supporter of, you know, entities like Heavybit and, you know, B-Sides yeah. and uh, some right. of uh, those smaller conferences. In terms of what's coming I think I, I, I haven't planned those out, to be honest. You know, I joined Hajiko about six months ago, and I'm very heavily focused on, like, building right. the program and team from ground right. up. And some of these things are, like, just opportunistic at this point. Very nice. Awesome. Taha, thank you so much for being on the show. For everybody out there that wants to, you know, stay abreast of the things that you have going on, things that are going on with HashiCorp, or even your photography. What are some of the ways that people can stay in touch with you and, and keep up with that stuff? I spend more time on LinkedIn than Twitter, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. I think one of the reasons we there is... We do too, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think people are forced to be more civil on LinkedIn. I, I, I am on Twitter, but I'm more of like a lurker on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But I do I do consume and follow a lot of people. You know, reach me out on LinkedIn, on via email. That's the best way to get a hold of me. You can find me on like small security conferences here and there. Yeah. I don't tend to upload a lot of my photography work, but that's just because I'm lazy more than anything. <laughs> okay. So are you, uh, last question for you, are you, are you hiring? Do you want to give a shout out and say, bring it on? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we are always hiring. We are growing like crazy. You know, some of the things that I have to pitch, again, you know, we are very practitioner focused, transparent, open source company. We love to talk about what, the, what, the, what some of the work we are doing, you know, very close to the practitioner community on what kind of problems, you know, they want us to solve. Uh, Hiring all over the place. So product security engineers, application security engineers, penetration testers, threat teamers, detection response, risk and compliance, privacy, what have you. So Ambit. Yes. (laughs) Very nice. Reach out. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah, again, thank you so much. Appreciate you being here on a Friday afternoon. Uh, this was a great conversation, and we'll have to have you on again Absolutely. sometime in the future. Thanks for having me. Yes, a pleasure. See you all next time.